Right, welcome back to Merloni and Forey here on a Friday with uh, Nick Fitzy Stevens mm-hmm. joining us right now. Our conversation with Mike Lombardi is sponsored by Zooty. You can build any app your company needs uh, in just one week. Visit Zooty.com for details. And joining us on the Harbor One Hotline is Mike Lombardi. Mike, how you doing? I'm great, thank you. How are you guys? You ready for the storm? Oh, my God. (laughs) Ready for the storm. Listen, I don't mind 12, 13, 14 inches, whatever, but we start talking 24 upwards, like that starts bothering me a little bit. That starts bothering me a lot. We're getting it down here, too. I mean, look, there's no escaping it. It's coming right up the coast. I'm in a little beach town called Ocean City. We're supposed to get 18, so don't worry. I feel so bad. Oh, it's going to be awful. All right, so listen, we've been talking a lot about Josh McDaniels. Um, yeah. The word is he's supposed to go out there tomorrow for the interview. Um, you know, years past, there's been some opportunities. Uh, we know what's going on there with him, but I'm asking you, so why is is Oakland or Vegas, I should say, a good fit and why? Well, I, I think Las Vegas is really a throwback team right now. I mean, they're old school in the sense that the owner is going to allow the general manager and the head coach to run the team and build the organization as he sees fit. He allowed that with John Gruden, gave him a 10-year contract, and basically stayed out of the way and let Gruden hire Mike Mayock, let Gruden basically – I mean, Gruden fired some old-time Raider employees that I never thought would ever leave the organization to change it. So he gave them the complete latitude to do that, and obviously that didn't work. But I think Mark Davis is going to go back to that procedure. And if you're someone like Josh and you want to set up a program – and build the program similar to what you have been experienced with the success of the Patriots, you're going to need that kind of commitment from an owner. Yeah, so two-part question for me. So so that's an ideal situation, I would think, for any coach. Like, hey, the owner's going to stay the hell out of it. Yes, and especially as we lend ourselves into this analytical world that we're headed into in football, which is I'm not anti-analytics, but I would say that there's a, there has to be a piece to the pie, not the entire pie. But we're tr- we're trending and drifting down to where we're devaluing the head coach, we're devaluing the general manager, and we're building a consensus-type organization uh, that I don't think will work. Yeah, it's, it's uh, it sounds too much like baseball to me, which I hate. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing, Mike, and. Uh, probably won't be surprised when you hear this is that you know once we uh once we kind of heard that josh was gonna interview for the job nine out of the ten calls that we took immediately after we made that announcement wanted to help him pack his stuff to get him out of town which i think is insane (laughs) i think is insane it's like it's typical i guess but just your assessment of josh mcdaniels as an offensive coordinator compared to the rest of the guys around the league I don't think it's close. I think he's the, one of the best coordinators in football. He's one of the best football minds. I mean, the people that are calling don't end up any idea about football. They really don't. I mean, it's just football's a really complicated sport. And people think that call into your shows that they think they know football because they've listened to guys on television try to explain it to them. And that's really so far from the reality of football. Like, they have no clue. And it's really tough to argue with them. And I don't want to talk down to anybody and act like I'm smarter than anybody, but it's just a different. It would be like me going into seeing some heart surgeon and talking to him about what the next procedure should be. It's like, I have no expertise in that. Like, Josh is one of the best offensive minds, one of the best coaches in all of football. I mean, the greatest player in the game, the GOAT, Tom Brady, I mean, he, he loved them. He understood the value that Josh brings to the table, the greatest coach in the league that's ever seen is Belichick, and he thinks the guy brings value. 
whether the 10 callers or not think that, I mean, it's is irrelevant because they're evaluating without the knowledge to correctly evaluate. So, Mike, presuming Josh does get offered and accept the position as coach of the Raiders, who would you see potentially as the best fit as offensive coordinator for the Patriots in 2022? And do you think the call would come from inside the house, if you know what I mean? Well, I, I think knowing Bill that, you know, there's, you know, and of course my son's a wide receiver coach there and, and uh, he loves his work. And, and I think that the way Bill has always operated, including back to Josh, remember Josh wasn't the offensive coordinator for a long time. You know, even when he was calling plays, he didn't get that title. You know, you earn yourself to more responsibility. That's the Patriot way, which I agree 1000% with, but I think it, I think there would have to be, you know, I think a call would be made to Bill O'Brien because he's familiar with yeah. the system. He's familiar with the, the process. You know, I mean, people have mentioned Joe Judge, but Joe was really not, I mean, Joe was not the receiver, but Joe's never called a game before offensively or would need that. So I, I think I could see two things. I could see Bill trying to bring somebody in with expertise and then grooming some of the young coaches on the staff, whether it's my son, whether it's uh, – whether it's a tight end coach, Nick Kelly, or whomever. You know, I think certainly that's always been the case because the way Bill operates is he'll give you responsibility, and the more you're able to do, the more you'll get. Talking to Mike Lombardi, and Mike, we were just talking about this, the effect it might have on Mac Jones. Would that would that be any concern? Year two, a quarterback? I imagine it's not going to be that much different, but, you know, second offensive coordinator with Mac Jones. Well, it's not going to change. The system's not going to change. The protections aren't going to change. But, you know, that's the difference between Bill and most other head coaches. You know, when a coach leaves, he takes his system, and then the, the head coach is wondering what we should do. Whereas Bill, this is the philosophy based on what Bill sees football, the way he sees it, it needs to be played offensively, defensively, and in the kicking game. So, you know, that's controlled by the head coaches here. Josh is running the plays based on the philosophy. It isn't Josh's philosophy. We actually had somebody bring up a good point, like Billy O. Like, we all admit that it would be, like, seamless and a good fit. But, you know, he's he's interviewing for head coaching jobs. Would would that sway, Bill? Like, is it – if he went in there for one year and they got a head coaching job and now you're on your third offensive coordinator, would that be a concern? Well – you know, it is in theory, but I think, like I just said, I think that whoever is there – is going to run what Bill wants to run, and yeah. Bill will be involved. I mean, Bill was involved when Josh was there. You know, Bill's just not going to turn a, turn his back to the offense and say, okay, you run it, let me know how it's going. I mean, Bill's a head coach that's intimately involved in every facet of the team, and so I think that's not going to change. And if he decided to go with Billy for a year or two years, you know, there would probably be some way he would have to train somebody to get him ready. I mean, Bill's – Belichick's never thinking one step. He's thinking two to three steps ahead. So, so Mike, uh, thinking about the uh, the two games we have uh, uh, coming up on Sunday, the game I'm thinking of uh, that I'm looking at is Cincinnati and Kansas City. I personally feel like Cincinnati eventually is going to run out of gas. I just feel like uh, they're living on borrowed time. And I know that Cincinnati beat them earlier or later in the year, about four to four or five weeks ago. But I feel like this is a different situation. What's your read on Cincinnati Bengals and their chance to beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead? You know, I think for without a doubt, I think they've been living on borrowed time. I think they've been very fortunate. I mean, you know, they could have easily lost the Raider game. You know, the Raiders spiked the ball first and go with the nine. 
you know, then they throw the ball short of the end zone. They got a chance to lose that game, but they didn't. This week, I mean, the last week in Tennessee, it takes four basic turnovers. They had three interceptions and one turnover on downs, and they only and they win the game by three, get sacked nine times. I think it's a hard game for them. I really do. I think this is reminiscent of in 14 when we beat Baltimore coming from behind 28 to 14, you know, and then taking the lead and winning the game from two touchdown scores down, you know, everybody thinks, oh, the next week's a letdown. No, it's not. You're just, you're going to take advantage of the situation. And I think the Chiefs will do that. The last time they played, it's 28 to 14 at the half. The Chiefs moved the ball up and down the field in the first half. The second half, the Chiefs never had the ball. And they only scored three points in the fourth quarter. I think that'll change. Yeah, I'm concerned about that Kansas City pass rush against the Bengals as well because that's such a bad offensive line, and they gave up nine registered sacks last week and could resemble maybe the off- the uh, AFC Championship from a couple years ago against Tennessee. But last weekend, Mike, uh, inarguably, I would say, the best divisional round we've seen with a crescendo of games, improbable comebacks, and more. Who do you think, though, just for fun, who would you say blew it? the most last week is there a coach is there one quarterback is there somebody i mean there's a bunch of people kicking themselves to this day but like who's the one person who stands out to you and, and you say like god i can't believe they made that reader god i can't believe they called that play well i think without a doubt that you know when you look at it, it it's got to be buffalo i mean they got 13 seconds to go in the game yeah and you know and this is what's baffling to me is is when you look at a play clock how much time remains in the game it's never about time. It's about plays. So if you divide, if you look at it, and, and Sean McDermott's looking at it, you say 13 seconds, they have three timeouts. The most they have is four plays. So if I kick the ball short of the goal line and make them return it like they did in the first quarter, and Pringle took the ball back to the 26, they took seven seconds off the clock. Okay? Pringle's probably going to get down quicker than that, so it gives him a little more time. But let's say he gets six seconds off the clock and gets the ball to the 22-yard line. All right, great. Now – you got seven seconds left to go in the game. You probably are defending two pass plays and one kick. That's the best they can do. And then you've got to jam the receivers so that Mahomes has to hold the ball and he can't get the ball in his hand. What do they do? They back off like that, like a touchdown is the only way they lose the game, right? And they give up a pass to, to pass to Hill. He's got two blockers in front of him, and he's running for 20, 19 yards. Then they let Kelsey run down the seam like my grandson and I play in the basement. He just runs free right down the seam. I mean, 13 <laughs> seconds to go in the game. You should win that game. Mm-hmm. You so should Mike, win that game. I mean, I, it, it's I, inexcusable. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, even after, even afterwards, like, I was telling these guys, I if I've ever been in a situation from, like, when I was eight years old to when I was in the pros, like, you squib kick that. So what would what would Sean McDermott be afraid of that would force him or convince him that kicking it you know, into the end zone was a smart move? I, I can't answer you. I don't know. I mean, it, it happens all the time, though. Teams don't do it. Now, I will say this. If they would have put Hill back there, it might have caused me a little concern to let him have that football. Yeah. Because he's so dynamic. I mean, I would have probably done it, but I would have held my breath. And I would have been scared of it. But with that, that being said... I mean, I'm Pringle. I'm not. I want the ball in Pringle's hand. Would I rather have the ball in Pringle's hands or Mahomes' hand? Yeah, yeah, I know. And Mike, last one for me. You know, we were just talking about the San Francisco situation here, and as a decision maker, front office guy, is there a chance the farther the Niners go, or if, even if they win it all, you can actually look bad? 
given what you gave up for Trey Lance, or is it you look at it and say, no, we're, our quarterback's in a good spot, we got a guy that's serviceable, and a young kid as well? Which way would it go? Well, I mean, you know, they everybody blames Garoppolo for everything. I mean, the poor guy, he can't catch a break. He gets blamed for it all. But I think, to me, it's the, his record with Kyle – his ability. Now he's not. He doesn't play great. He makes too many dumb mistakes. And and I'm and I'm a Jimmy fan. But I, I think to me that this whole appeal towards Lance. I don't know how you can make that move because the team, the 49er team, really likes, really, really likes Jimmy Garoppolo, and they play hard for him. Uh, Mike, just on the way out the door, get you on the record. Tom Brady retiring or no? You know, I'm torn on this one. I I, I think you know that you know one thing about Brady. He has to climb the mountain from the base camp. And, you know, that's a commitment, a true total commitment and giving up a lot in his family. I think that could be a problem. I think that's going to be hard for him to make that commitment. I, I would love to see him keep playing, but I also know his family's important to him. All right, Mike. I'm going to take that as a no. Yeah, yeah. He's Dunsky. I think we're kind of leaning towards that ourselves here. But, Mike, we appreciate it. Enjoy championship weekend and Thanks, uh, be careful with that you snow. Too. Talk All next right. week. Bye bye. Right. Later. <laughs> Mike Lombardi. 